taken away from us in that. It was just <laughs> the timing. Yeah, great timing. That that um, question, David, is, is such a good one. And Zane, you, you answered perfectly. Sometimes mm. when you want it to, it's amazing. It's like when you don't want it to, time goes really slowly. And when you do want it to, you're so impatient for something to happen. And then they say, oh, time flies when you're having fun. But then sometimes I, I, the inverse happens for me. It's just... It's, uh, I guess it's, well, when, you're, when your brain's ticking at a different beat to the rest of the world, you know, <laughs> you're, I, it, for me, I don't know if this is the same for you, but I, I'm either um, engrossed in something where I lose track of time or my brain is fired to a point where it's continuously looking for the next thing to focus on, which makes me lose track of time. So oh, you know, that in itself must, uh, must make me lose grip of time, of, you know, the, the real ticking clock that other people have biologically i guess there's a, there's a bit of a um a detachment from the biological clock that most people have yeah i, I don't know if it's like um like a, a difference in perceptual time i think it's yeah uh, it's because you're always your mind is always wandering and thinking of so many different things that you lose yeah, yeah you lose mm. time and that's why we're late for stuff and we're like <laughs> where did the time go um <laughs> yeah. i think our brains are just so busy that yeah. just flies and they can be difficult to be efficient and achieve what everyone else is doing. If I'm at work and I've, uh, you know, um, particularly distractible that day, like because I'm taking my meds and I'm tired or that's just who I am. Um, you know, if I'm distractible, I'm, you know, I may be trying to concentrate on doing a task, but, you know, I can hear a conversation going on and my brain's attention is kind of going there. But everything kind of ends up taking longer. Like if I'm, comparing myself to a normal person and we're both doing a recipe from a recipe book, the number of times I will read the same line and the same, you know, how many grams of flour yeah. back and checking because it's gone. It's just yeah. the working memory is like non uh, But at the yeah. same time, if I'm at work and I'm dealing with, you know, a patient's uh, C-reactive protein level. I know, I'll know what it was. I remember it was 106 for yeah, that. It's, yeah. But it's like, it's just random. It's like, depends on what you're doing. You know, yeah. if I'm hyper-focused at work, um, you know, I guess time goes really slowly and I seem to achieve a lot, i.e. when I'm taking the medicine or I'm just having a really good productive day. But then if I'm not hyper-focused and I'm just being typical ADHD me, time flies yeah yeah that's that's how i think it is <laughs> there's an interesting connect actually you know you're a you're a physics enthusiast i, I believe so uh, you know there's there's obviously an interesting um an interesting correlation there anyway because obviously within the kind of realm of physics time is um is elastic and you know and um fluid and depend on all kinds of different um inputs like gravity mass you know all affects um all affects time and how it's measured and sometimes i think you know are as humans or at least as biological substances i think our perception of time is often anchored to that you know um we're living we go and we're gradually dying so that's our kind of anchor into time but within the bigger realm of physics and space actually time is much more fluid than that and our existence within space is so small 
but we get to pause it for the 70 odd years that we experience it and really focus on that period of time. So actually, you know, perhaps as we reach the end of, you know, what, what really fascinated me about when you're talking about death was, I wonder how we do experience time as we approach that, that final moment. Does it slow down to a point where, you know, if we're surrounded by a loved one mm -hmm. and uh, we're, we're just about to pass, could, could that be heaven? You know, what is perceived as, as heaven? If that moment in time just goes on forever and like that. Yes, that's interesting. Like I, I guess yeah, I don't know the answer to that because yeah. technically, now when we say someone is dying, you know, we use that in different ways. So, uh, you know, someone who has terminal cancer, for example, who, you know, will die in a few weeks, you could say they're dying. But dying really is actively dying. That's when someone's body is shutting down. Now, part of that process the organs, is you become less conscious. You become less and sort of go into a deep coma so in that stage uh you know your conscience becomes your subconscious and we don't know how much like they are thinking or if they're just in a deep sleep and maybe dreaming but we do that until quite late in the end um someone can definitely hear you the last sense to go is your hearing and you know you can be in a room and talking about them and you can see them sometimes becoming a bit restless or agitated that's the only way people who are dying can express themselves because it's their subconscious and and they can't you know, move their body in a meaningful way you know the subconscious is 98 you know 90 uh, you know high 90s percent of you know um your consciousness you know it, you know your consciousness is a tiny percent and you know, a lot of anxiety that people with ADHD in particular have. I'm going off topic now, but a lot of anxiety no, 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 this is, is, is because their subconscious is uh, remembering all of these things that we are not doing and not remembering to do. I've got a, a whiteboard up there with lots of things written down. To, I need to get one of those. To offload my subconscious <laughs> to take away some of the anxiety because I know that I'm being reminded and I won't forget and I won't miss a deadline because it's there to remind me and I'll do everything last minute at least. And so I'm a anxious person just by offloading my subconscious because your yeah. subconscious is always bugging you. But in the yeah. end of life, you know, your subconscious, who knows how they're perceiving time? Yeah. Um, it's an interesting question. Um, I'll tell you on the other side. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, I'll hold you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming we go to the same place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's we won't have to wait so on how long that moment lasts for whoever goes first. <laughs> yeah, it's and, it's uh, so true. It's conscious and subconscious. I have been studying and analysing this, and I'm actually going to put it on a site um, or that David actually created. A big, uh, big plug to the site, the neurodiverse website, all about conscious and subconscious mind and which essentially you engage when you're, for example, doing fitness. And if you engage while doing an exercise, you're, you've got to tap into your conscious and subconscious to essentially do a movement correctly. It's just fascinating. And it's, I'm so happy that you have brought this up and that now my opinion has been validated by, you know, yeah. a doctor. That now wasn't scripted. That wasn't scripted. <laughs> <laughs> All these plugs are so uh, perfect, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check that out. That sounds really good.
yeah, yeah so the, the website's um it's, it's a work in progress and um, it needs content so if you if you get like 10 minutes just to jot some of your thoughts down feel free and, and find them my way and I'll, I'll kind of get them up there and the website is unidiversity.co.uk if you did want to have a look at it. It's it, like I say, it's a work in progress, um, but it's it's getting there slowly. Need some, like I say, I need some more input to help build on that a little bit. Um, but yeah, there, there are some really interesting things that we've covered there, which I, you know people love talking about and reading about and getting all different um, aspects on. But to get an ADHD aspect on, it, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. And to get a medical aspect, you know, um, beyond it. it's also really valuable. You know, different um, approaches to look at a subject that I think a lot of people are really fascinated about. I've got I've got another question for you. That's all right. This this one um, when I kind of knew we were going to be talking to you, I thought this is the question that I would love to hear from a medical professional, um, and it's something that I think about quite a lot. Which is, if you could cure your ADHD tomorrow, would you? Great question. Um, depends on what day you ask me. I would say. <laughs> uh, I would, so it depends on the month. Okay, so some months, Great. I would, 30% of the time I'm saying, um, no, I don't want to be cured. 70% I'd be saying, yes, I want to be cured. But then other months, it would be the other way around. 30%, um, you know, I want to be cured. 70%, I don't want to be cured. Because okay. to be honest, I don't want, to, you know, I don't want to be cured. I ADHD is who I am. Yeah. I cannot exist without ADHD because ADHD, my whole life course, my whole life experience, my whole lived experience is based on having ADHD. My personality, my beliefs, my hobbies, my passions, everything about me is because of my ADHD. And so to cure my ADHD is to change me. Yeah. I be someone else. And I like who I am. It's just the difficulties having ADHD, the severe emotions, the problems yeah. ADHD causes, um it does make me wish i never had it but i appreciate that i am adhd i am who i am but you know in the beginning of this whole conversation you said to me uh you know you you're a doctor you went through med school you're so successful i do you know i don't feel successful i don't feel i've overcome or achieved what i want to achieve with my life and adhd because I, my life is awful and, and hard in many ways a lot of the time sometimes i'm very happy and other times I feel like this life isn't for me. I can't do this. I just can't live in this world. Everything is too difficult. Yeah. My emotions are too much. I'm just not understood. There is no escape from this endless, you know, I can go through endless anxiety and, and yeah. overthinking and emotional dysphoria and insomnia and stress mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. And, you know, I just, I can't escape it. But then, you know, things get better and I'm up and down, up and down. So today you're asking me, this is a good week. Um, I, I love who I am and, and I love having ADHD. What yeah. an answer. Yeah, great answer. That is a good answer. I mean, at the moment, I'm, I'm kind of, um, you know, I'm, I'm on the high from um, my diagnosis only being a couple of months ago and finding ways to deal with it feels quite good. So I'm kind of like, at the moment, I'm soaring, so I don't want to be cured today. Uh, you've got another, you know, <laughs> you, every few months you're like, wow, I've discovered so many new things about myself and everything there is to know. And then, and then two, you're like, no, now I'm at that point. And then two years later, you'd be like, damn, I'm still discovering myself. I'm still seeing new things that I 
now can relate in some way to ADHD and how it's mm. do this thing or think this way or, or this thing has happened to me in my life. It's actually in part my ADHD. And, and, you know, this is the hardest part of having ADHD. It's explaining to people how <laughs> all of these problems in your life are in some way related to ADHD and all yeah. that. Well, you the excuse for this. So like ADHD is your excuse for everything. But unfortunately... I am who I am because of ADHD. Mm. It's yeah. shaped in some way by this ADHD veil. And mm. it, I'm very sorry, but that's a fact. And I'm sorry that I seem to have an excuse for all of these things, but it's a big factor in a lot of things. And they don't, you know, people don't like the idea that I've got an excuse for failures and they don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I can say. And and the most, the, the least empathetic <laughs> to me, about my problems with ADHD are people with ADHD yes. who are in denial. Yeah, because I was like, gonna, oh, yeah. you're just describing me, you're describing lots of people. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't exist because that's it's not... so true. I agree with, you know, that ADHD. Yeah, yeah. Because they bloody got ADHD. Yeah. And ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I, I want to At least so empathetic true. people yeah, don't have it. Because they, they, they can see themselves in, in you. Exactly. Society yeah. has got us completely... Mm. We, they were so misunderstood in society. Even myself, when he yeah. said, I was like, that's a childhood thing. I don't have any... And then I looked it up and I was like, what? I can yeah. tell about it at work. And some of them are still like, oh, is that, does that even exist? But I've been <laughs> yeah. from people, honestly. Yes, there are people like that in medicine. <laughs> so, um, I read on a on an, an NHS website, not the main NHS website. It was a, it was like a, I think it might have been NHS Manchester. It was a spin-off. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you can call it a spin-off website, but it was. And on their website, whilst researching for myself about ADHD, I found um, an article, quite a big article, advising other people about what to look for in ADHD. Bearing in mind the NHS website albeit not their main website um, and it's it had things in the article like most children grow out of it um it oh, one true. i don't think that is even true it has to be no. it's most adults learn to hide it to fit into the society yeah. that they need to fit it's into just, just exactly and you can't grow out of it it's like <laughs> it does not grow back to normal neuro yeah it's just yeah. They're, they're, that doesn't exist. I, I'm telling you now. You can't yeah. regrow a pathway. Put my in your GMC brain. number on this. Uh, I'll put my GMC number on this. You cannot grow out of ADHD. Mm. No. You just deny it, or it's not seen. Yeah. Well, you hide it. Who you are, your personality. No one wants. No one wants to be seen as um, failing and doing badly at work. So you hide mm. those things in order oh, to not look like you're failing and doing badly at work. To think of someone who is is denying it and is you know getting into a really bad place. I know lockdown has caused people to get into those bad places. Um, it's just to, to think of the struggle they're going through and how they can be helped. So I really hope we're helping them by doing this and on that point Zaid what advice would you have for someone who thinks they have it or has just been diagnosed so it's scary to have this completely re-understanding of your brain any advice 
for um to help with that that process because it's a very very difficult process yeah so david's going through this right now two months is very early but i think before you go to get your diagnosis you that realization's beginning now yeah it's you know when you first google it and you realize dang i think i i think i've got this it is like an epiphany moment it's life-changing and it's very mixed emotions it's like it's exhilarating and it's also really frustrating and you get annoyed and angry because you feel failed by society failed that it wasn't picked up you wonder about all of the failures in your life if they would have happened if this was picked up earlier and you knew what you had uh, but you know one people if? who are going through this also I say this all the time. Um, uh, I coined this phrase. I'm calling it now 28th of April, 2021. Coined this phrase. Yeah. <laughs> the ADHD is the ADHD is the biggest reason for my, all of my biggest failures and all of my biggest achievements. Yeah. Yeah. My no, biggest no. achievements. Um, are because of my ADHD. It's a double-edged sword. It's not a double-edged sword. It's 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 good and bad. There are things that we have that neurotypical people won't yeah. have. And we have the ability to communicate, to empathize, and to understand things in a different way that I think is you know really good. And we are entrepreneurs. We are enthusiastic, and we are fantastically hardworking. We can focus and study to a human level. If you give us what we want, yeah. just got to help us. With it. The school system's got to change. You yes. know, we're, we're idea that you go and study all these subjects and then you, you know, go to university. We should be looking at, you know, building on uh, the idea of a, uh, the, the, the practice of uh, what, what do you call it? Um, when you uh, don't go to a job, uh, you go into a job, uh, you work at the, uh, what's Prevention. the word? Um, but anyway, but like people, <laughs> yeah, all, yeah, all that dopamine, <laughs> difficulty. yeah, yeah, it's um, what was that? Sorry, we're this has been such a good chat, but just one more thing the um, 24 hours in AE, I know now why I absolutely that's my favorite program because it just shows you how much heart you've got to have to be a doctor and how what amazing things you know you you do as as doctors and you know it pulled on my heartstrings every time i watch it and i know you know you do incredible stuff every day and just saying it makes me proud of you know part of the adhd community that you know people are doing great things like yourself in, in great sectors of society. And I, I hope, I hope, you know, David, myself and Zaid, we can help people 100%. Yeah, and thank you, thank you. The perception of value should be shifted, shouldn't it? Like, you know, something you said a minute ago, you touched on motivation and, and that made me think, you know, there's no, you haven't experienced motivation until you've seen someone with ADHD motivated. Yeah. And that, that is an infectious motivation that people like um, uh, Bill Gates and Richard Branson have 
to infect other people to get on the ride with them. That's what that's what motivation looks like for some of ADHD, isn't it? It's the highs, highs and the lows that you you, um, you touched on there, Zaid. Um, the lows are low, but the highs are. Everyone wants to get on board with that. I think, you know, when you think of actors, uh, uh, comedian actors like uh, Robin Williams, who took yeah. his life. Yeah. You can just see that's a guy who's got ADHD, really yeah. funny, intelligent, charismatic, great guy. But he he was that rock. I don't know if he's got ADHD, but I just imagine him to. And yeah. killing himself, it's just, yeah. it just doesn't. His lasting comment, sorry to interrupt, was. Surprise me. You know, or, uh, ADHD yeah. is awful sometimes. Yeah. And he, he said, Do you, you, you don't know like, what's going on. No escape. In someone's head. Exactly. And we put on a good front often. People yeah. yeah. And, and a, really, a really upsetting statistic I recently discovered in two different places that I kind of pulled together was one was that um, around five or six percent of the general population are believed to have ADHD. It's probably higher because, you know, don't spot, it's not always spotted. So that's one side of it. So children at school five to six percent probably have ADHD maybe a little bit more now what's really shocking and upset setting that I found really upsetting was um King's College London you know as you'll know uh, the world leaders in brain um research and you know that they're, they're um, a, a well um, established and recognized body for being the experts in this field they, they did a study and found that between 20 and 30 percent of the prison population have ADHD. Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a that is a, a direct correlation of a suffering um, population, um, and then being let down by society and institutional um, systems. That yeah. at that point where they have to make their life choices, make the choices that put them in prison, not just commit crimes, but put them into a life of um, incarceration. That that is. That is left behind in the education system, left yeah. behind, and you know we are prone to drug and alcohol problems uh, yeah. from addiction, and we are prone to, you know, if we're not getting educated, and we end up, you know, in the wrong crowds, uh, you know, mm. uh, you know, prone to falling into life crime, and and you know, with mental health, you know, you either end up, you know, dead in uh, either dead in a mental health hospital, which if yeah. you're lucky, you're in prison. You know, uh, that's how it is in this country. That's why I could never do mental health as a job because yeah. it's just a service that's fighting a fire and you only deal with the tip of the iceberg, which is the crisis mm, yeah. uh, when they're in, you know, uh, you know, psychosis or whatever it is, you know, yeah. uh, in the greater picture. And I really feel for people with ADD, I see it in people all the time. And I know they quote something like two to 5% of the adult population have ADHD. That's a joke. Yeah. Um, Way more. Anecdotally, one hundred percent. It's easily, easily 30? ten to fifteen percent. Easily, yeah. um, right. and you know that's of the ones that I see that I spend enough time to recognise that they have it. Easily. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Good. That was such a good chat. Oh. It, it, we may have found a new, a new host. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I like being a guest, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so and much. That was really enjoyable. That was really insightful, really enjoyable. And um, 
Yeah, I, I really got to exercise some demons there. That was brilliant. Yeah, cool. and having me, and, I, and I'm glad we talk it out because this is um, it's, it's healthy for for us guys. It's really nice. So good. Uh, yeah. Because it's nice to know that I'm not alone, and you know I can yeah, turn to brothers and sisters. Um, and yeah, and we all of us, we just want to help each other and help society. And that's all this video is, isn't it? And that's yeah. why it's a pleasure for me to be here and have a chat with you guys. Um, because you know, we all like to talk, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And and what a better way to try and help with this? Exactly. Get people understanding that's the only barrier between us having better lives yeah so, understanding Perfect. thank you so much brilliant cheers david we've recorded yeah, everything cheers. which is good brilliant see you guys take yeah. care thanks Bye. again you soon Hi. Hi, how are you doing? You're right. I'm very well. You're looking well, looking very smart. Oh, thanks. <laughs> is that is that your usual Wednesday wear? Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, if I've been in um if I've if I've been in the office, then um yes. But um yeah, I haven't really been home that long actually. So kind of just got in quickly, whipped the kids up to bed. <laughs> um and yeah. So, how about you? You had a good week? You look tired. Sorry, excuse me, I just had a bit of chicken. Um, yeah, burning a candle at both ends too much, I think. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I've had a really good week. It's been really busy. Um, I've got a final interview tomorrow, actually, for a PT position. Oh, right. What's that for? Um, to work 15 hours a week in a, in a gym, in Pure Gym, my local Pure Gym. Oh, cool um so i've just uh, sorry if i've been disorganized on my front but no no not at all. yeah i've just been like trying to smash out my business plan for that yeah. and then hopefully get the job and yeah you know, i'll be able to celebrate and well the podcast is uh, i think is is one part um yeah. just showing that i'm kind of got stuff on and um yeah that's no, good what, what did you go up to today? Do you have a lot of meetings? Uh, no, so um, three days a week I work in an office in Newbury, which um, I'm I'm going to stop doing that in four weeks' time, handing my notice in there. Yeah. And um, I've one of the companies I've been working with for a little while. Yeah, I want to offer more work as well, which is good. So um, just been trying to manage that. Plus also. Um, what I've been trying to do is kind of go through a bit of a cleansing period 
and yeah. work out what I really want to be doing. And in order for, in order to facilitate that, um, I wanted to kind of put something in place where I've got my bills paid every month, no matter what I do. Yeah. Um, so I've taken a job as a postman, <laughs> um, nice. so I can. Yes, yeah, so I think um, for three months or however long I do it for, I'll yeah. get time to like get fit, and you spend half the day doing that, so that pay my bills and stuff. I've got this yeah. other contract that um, is going to be picking up over the next few months. If that proves itself, yeah. i.e., they pay on time and stuff, then actually I could probably do that more and pick up other work. And while I'm kind of walking, delivering letters, I can be thinking about <laughs> what I want to do yeah. for the next half. So when I get home, I'll be on it and kind of. Uh, it's so good, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's a form of exercise, but also like you're yeah. engaging your brain because you're using like your heart, your you know, your brain's looking at your hand, and you need to release something. And yeah, yeah, it's the best form of exercise I find. Anything like to do with the hand. Oh, we love speaking with the hands, don't we? Yeah, yeah. ADHD <laughs> people, you're gonna be Mr. Postman Pat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah I, I like the idea of it for you know a, a short period of time i think it'd be good um i'll be able to do a lot of thinking yeah and listen to a lot of audio books there'll be a lot of time for that kind of stuff so i think that'd be great and then um it's only half a day i can spend the other half the day putting stuff that i learned from audio books and things i've been thinking about and planning yeah. i can put into practice so i think that'd be great yeah you know, it's so good when you put it, you get it, all your thoughts down on paper. Yeah. Um, I've got, um, I'll let Zaid in. Sure, yep. Yeah. Uh, let me see, I'm recording. Yeah, I, um, hey, dude. Can you see us? Can you hear us? So should be able to. Oh, we can't hear his. Um... Let me just see my settings. I definitely would have. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Oh, okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I was trying to set up my microphone earlier. It wasn't working. So I'm oh, use... I've got the same one. I thought I had accidentally um, clicked like mute permanently mute guests or people <laughs> coming into the room easily done eh i see you got your yeah, decks in the background sorry yeah i see you got your decks is that your yeah the vinyl player <laughs> yeah man i've got um 12 tens these are the mark seven oh, 12 tens um, yeah yeah mark sevens they're beautiful i play drum and bass I've got lots of vinyl, but I also use digital vinyl. I use um, yeah. record boxes. Sell them yeah. back in the day. Yeah, I had a pair of 1210s Mark IIs. Yeah. Um, and for 360 quid for a pair about six years ago. And obviously they're from the 80s. And I sold them for a thousand pounds to some kid. Really? thousand pounds. These are 1,600 for a pair, the brand. No? Goodness me. I should, having been in France for a year where they all like played vinyl, I should know that. David, your your yeah. knowledge is better than me there on the old vinyl player. <laughs> well, back in the day, I used to work in a hi-fi store selling oh, selling hi-fi separates to the punters. So, yeah, very well versed with Technics 1210s. 
they they were they they still are the decks to have, aren't they? They are, they are. Like the Mark IIs, the ones that, you know from the eighties, the original, you know, they are better than these. Actually, these are really good, but um, just the sound isolation and the pitch fade is really good on this, but it doesn't have that click on zero. Right. Um, on the pitch fader, which is a bit annoying. It oh. oh, goodness. Anyway, nice to meet you, isn't it? I, um, I yeah, you too. Oh, there we go. My connection's unstable. There we go. Back in. Back in the room. Yeah. So thank you very much, dude, for coming on. Um, we are we're recording at the moment, but we can edit the recording um, later on. So we're just gonna it's gonna be free flowing. We're gonna ask present the podcast, finding a flow, and then David's we'll just ask you what's your background um, how, what's your connection to neurodiversity? Um, and then we can just flow from there. Sounds good. Cool. Got me into is, there, is there anything you'd rather not talk about like steer away oh, from? Yes. Or... I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So to be honest, I'm happy talking about everything. I'd rather yeah. talk about like relationships, stuff, stuff that's personal. Cause you know, I, I want to be able to share this podcast with anyone, my family. Um, yeah, like, uh, besides that, I think it's fine. Uh, okay. I probably won't want to talk about, like, me going raving or <laughs> like, you know, drugs or alcohol. Anything Definitely like not. Um, Self-medicate. Yeah, I can talk about DJing, drum and bass a bit. That's fine. But uh, whatever you want besides those things. Oh, no, sure. no, definitely not. Don't my worry. <laughs> I've got a reputation at a pole. <laughs> Yeah, I um, I won't. I'm just gonna, because obviously I've met you, but I don't think it's. I should say that, because. Wh wh where should I say I met you? Because I did meet you inside. To be fair, we. Um, does it matter? Like, I mean, we we met on the. I guess we didn't meet. We spoke on the WhatsApp app. Hmm. Uh, but um. I don't mind, man. Whatever. Yeah, I'll I'll just say I I know you through the the ADHD group, um, the WhatsApp yeah. group. Okay, cool. Right, let's get going. Hi guys, this is Finding Your Flow, a podcast about people who have found their flow or are finding their flow. David, over to you. Great. So, um, I'm actually really intrigued. Um. Um, Zane so um, and um, you know because you've obviously you know from, from where I'm sitting it seems like you've obviously achieved quite a lot you know going through an education where you come out with um, you know as, as a doc, as a qualified doctor you know, that's got to be what seven years um, and um, you know that in itself um, takes a lot of focus and um and kind of really knuckling down and kind of just um a lot of self-discipline so um you know from a point of view where um a condition like adhd makes that challenging for the likes of myself and and others out there 
you know, how, how have you kind of like achieved it? What's kind of driven you and what's kind of kept you going through that process would be really kind of good, for, at least for me tonight. I'm sure other people would love to hear that too. Okay. So um, thanks for having me, obviously. I'm Zaid. Um, so yeah, med school, I spend six years. Uh, it's five years, uh, but you can do an extra year, do a Bachelor of Science, which I squeezed in. Um, yeah. Yeah, I... I I guess, relatively speaking, I, I have achieved a lot, you know, getting to where I am today, but it hasn't easy at all. And I've only been diagnosed with ADHD in the last year and a half or so. And before that, I never really knew I had any problems with, you know, concentration, focusing, studying, because for my whole life, I've assumed I think and feel the same as everyone else. Yeah. And I had no reason to suspect anything. I've always known something wasn't right about me. I'm very... Um, you know, emotionally labile, I'm very sensitive, um, you know, and it was only when someone pointed out to me that they thought I had ADHD and I've read about it online, I realized yeah. all of these things that I thought were normal about myself are actually, uh, a lot of them are pathological. Now, when it comes to studying and stuff, um, yes, I've been able to achieve and get through med school, become a doctor and, yeah. you know, it's funny, like, at school, I don't think anyone would have imagined I would have gotten to where I am because for my GCSEs, I got four A's, three B's, and five C's. Now, you know, that's okay by most yeah, That's it. That's and a in my school, I, <laughs> It was um, 150 people roughly my year, and 100 people got nine A's or A stars. Goodness me. Applying to medicine comparatively to the people I am up against applying for med school, I had to first grades and GCSEs. My A-levels, however, when I went on to do A-levels where I get to choose the subjects I want to study, which was sciences and maths, I got three A's and a B and I got into med school. Now, I think fundamental to understanding how I achieved what I have is to appreciate that people with ADHD are just as intelligent as everyone else. It's yeah. about unlocking that potential. And to unlock that potential, you really have to be invested and passionate about the thing that you're trying to achieve in. So, you know, art, geography, history, English, I wasn't very interested. I wasn't paying attention in class, not, you know, consciously, but it wasn't interesting enough to captivate me. And so I yeah. just behind. However, I've always loved sciences. I grew up fascinated by, you know, the universe, space, and then my, da uh, my dad is a pharmacist. And so... You know, watching TV, watching Scrubs, for example, which I think is the <laughs> show to so actually good. show what medicine is in the real world. It's actually really accurate. Um, that is <laughs> medicine. I never had the self-confidence, though. You know, my GCSEs are flopped relative yeah. to my peers. And it was only when my sister said to me, Zaid, you're so smart. You've got so much potential. And I know some of the people go into medicine and you can definitely do it. And that gave me the drive and, you know, loving science I managed to hyper-focus, I believe. Yes. And yeah. all the amount yeah. of time that they could actually sit down yeah. and try to study, you know, I was, you know, being much more efficient and learning a lot more and, and have a better understanding of a subject than other people would in, you know, I'm just pick a number out of the air like twice the time. So even in med school, I, you know, during exam times, I could never sit down and study for too long. It was really difficult. Um, and I remember coming up to exams, I would probably study, you know, before my finals, I remember we had study leave and my friends were coming to the library and they were going there from like 9am to like 11pm. I would 
or up at 12 1 p.m. <laughs> strolling on my coffee, finish my lunch, and I would leave about 7 p.m. Getting all these glares from them. Exactly, all of these like screw you glares, and I <laughs> I performed as well as they did. Now I think mm. I definitely underachieved in med school in terms of, well, people always saw me and thought of me as this really bright guy, and I seemed to know everything, but I could never really perform any exams. I never got to those higher deciles. I never got the points needed to, you know, be one of those top doctors. I was probably in the, you know, uh, you know, seventh decile, sixth decile towards the end. But in the beginning, I had no idea what was going on in lectures. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. And it was so over my head um, because it is very much a postgraduate degree. Even if you're an undergraduate, it's just mm. um, yeah. fall asleep in lectures. I would just fall asleep. Uh, and I know that feeling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Part of that is, um, you know, feeling bored with ADHD when it's something yeah, you can't because I don't understand. But also, ADHD inherently causes sleep problems. I think most people yeah. with ADHD have sleep problems, whether or not they recognize or not. Um, you know, yes, they may be able to go sleep to every day, but I just have really bad sleep problems. Yeah. It seems to fluctuate a lot, and it seems to be dependent on you know, the stress in my life that week or whatever, you know, sometimes I can't switch off at night. You know, when you're yeah. and the lights are out, your yeah. brain wakes up. Surely as a, you know, as a doctor, you have it even worse because you have like so much adrenaline every day. And I think adrenaline is the key reason why we find it difficult to switch off because our brains are just always running. Exactly. Surely for you... I know in uh, This Is Going To Hurt, a brilliant book by Adam Kay, um, he, he mentions just coming home from work and not being able to, you know, think about anything else. Did you yeah. I've, I've had that, that book, but I've not yeah. read it. <laughs> I've got a bunch you of books. Do. Uh, <laughs> it is difficult to switch off. I mean, I am pathologically empathetic and pathologically yeah. compassionate and pathologically mm. um enthusiastic and keen mm. and interested in the job i do um to the point where people i'm sure there's a lot of doctors who just don't like me because you know there's a standard of care that i am committed to that other people don't see yeah. uh, and so when I come home, I am often struggling to switch off because I'm just thinking about the standards of care, what I'm trying to achieve. I'm working much harder than everyone else. Yeah. Um, and no one else is, you know, going that extra mile, staying late to do things because it will be better if they stay late to do it rather than leave it to the on-call doctor who may not do it, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to switch off. Um, and I think doing a job like, that I do medicine where you're meeting different people every day doing different things you in one week it's very typical for me to tell two people and their families that they've got terminal cancer it's very typical for me to um, you know make end-of-life decisions for people which I do more than most people do because I'm you know always looking to make a best interest decision for people who are suffering for people where you know medical treatment is futile and you do take that home with you. Um, I've been a doctor for about six years now and I'm much better at it. You know, it's telling someone they've got terminal cancer or, you know, watching someone die. Me, 
you know, I might have a little think about it and cry, you know, mm. a couple of a month when I'm at home just thinking about it. But besides that, I get on with the day. You leave that room and, and you carry on. It's, it's quite normal for me now. But there have been times where, you know, ADHD, it has a big effect on your emotions. And oh, for me, you know, injustice and uh, suffering and sadness, you know, it just really gets me down. And there have been times at work where I just break down into tears. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm treating someone and then they go into cardiac arrest. And instead of leading that cardiac arrest, I'm, I'm having a breakdown. That, that happened once. Um, getting shivers, hmm? hairs standing up in the back of my my neck. It's amazing. <laughs> and there's there's some really interesting points you've raised there, actually. Which is, you know, I think, you know, we all we all, you know we all know uh, people that kind of um, I don't want to use the word suffer with the condition, but mm. you know, in some respects, you do suffer with the condition in some settings, but. Um, we, we kind of we know that there are a lot of misconceptions out there about ADHD. A lot of that comes from kind of people's first experience of um, encountering it, which is often the naughty boy at school who's disruptive, can't learn, disrupts everyone else. And that's clearly not the case in, I, I would say, in our three cases, just knowing, um, um, you know, talking to you now and kind of um, knowing you, Nicholas, as well. Mm. It, that doesn't seem to fit. And I think that's really important. And one thing that really bugs me a lot, which um, you've kind of covered there, Zaid, um, which I think is really important is um, ADHD doesn't have an upper limit to someone's IQ. You know, it's not, so it's not um, a, an intelligence limiter mm. at all. It's almost like in, in many cases where the education system lets some of us down, where you feel like, you were kind of sounds like you were let down a tiny bit there too it's almost like actually it's the way that intelligence is sometimes measured is actually more the key there. Yeah. um and um so you know I, I i get a bit annoyed when people say it's a learning disability or a disability i don't think it is it's um it's presents as a disability when we're up against the institutions that exist in those establishments like education and and we're comparing ourselves relatively to what people yes. find as neurotypical. Yeah. Yeah. And another really interesting point you made is you found out by accident, pretty much, as did I, because, you know, <laughs> I don't know if this is the same for you, but I didn't have that um, comparative, you know, this is how I am, this is how I feel, this is how I act. The only comparison I had was that stereotype, just the only comparison I had. So. I didn't even imagine that I had ADHD until someone who was an expert in the field said, I think you might have ADHD. Up until that point, I'd not even considered, considered it. So that's a really interesting point you made there as well. And I think that's, you know, if, if this video we're recording right now reaches out to one person who's mm, also doing that, yeah. we've done an amazing job right now having that interaction, I think. So that's yeah. really key. Do you ever find David and Saeed it was I, I knew you said that it was your sister told you that you should go for it. I found with ADHD just some words of you're doing well or you could do this can actually propel you like you've done, Zaid. An incredible thing to become a doctor when I you know, met you through the, the WhatsApp 
ADHD group, I was just amazed at how a doctor can have ADHD. Um, it's just incredible. You were propelled by, you know, what your sister said. And I've had times when if it wasn't for my parents saying, you should do this, you know, you'd be good at that. We, you know, I wouldn't have done it because of the fear. And I think fear encapsulates you know, ADHD brains, 100%. I think, um, you know, I think the encouragement goes a long way for people like us because we inherently have bad self-esteem because yeah. we don't perform the same as other people in society. And the measures and the metrics that we used to define people's IQ, like you're saying, David, is, is defined by grades and exams when actually we are expecting people to be able to perform in all these things when actually you need to give us what we want, give us our passion, help us find our passion because yeah. if we find it, we're, we're fantastically capable. We're more capable than neurotypical people because mm -hmm. we have to hyper-focus. It's about unlocking that potential, finding what it is. You know, you just have to look at how uh, people with ADHD are more likely to go into business because we are entrepreneurs. We are passionate, yeah. we are passionate. And you, and again, with the IQ thing, look at Bill Gates, you know, yeah. I like to be Elon he Musk has ADHD? as well. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. It. And as well. We've got Brad, um, Richard Branson, Louis Theroux. Bill Gates on our Gates. side. It's always <laughs> a good name, name to drop, yes. Bill Gates. Yeah, yeah. Big up, Great. Bill Gates. Um, but the other thing is, like, it's, you know, this whole thing about people's perception about what ADHD is. I think this country is decades behind America, yeah. for example, in societal understanding of ADHD and from a healthcare professional perspective. Now, we have this idea of this hyperactive, naughty school boy. And that's, that is the most visible manifestation of ADHD yeah. in children who are, you know, male children generally who yeah. have hyperactivity with ADD. And so there's actually this huge section of people who are not getting diagnosed and therefore we have this perception of what ADD, ADHD. Mm -hmm. Now I meet people at work all the time. I, there are at least three doctors, two consultants, another doctor I've uh, worked with recently in this department of about 20 people who I know have ADD. I know they have it. <laughs> and, you know, it's difficult to tell them, uh, you know, I can mention like, oh, you know, I've got ADHD and, you know, I see a bit of that in you. And it's difficult because their perception of what it is, 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 is false. And yeah, yeah. they would never believe that because people with ADD are born to people from who have ADD often. Yeah. yeah. We have siblings and then we make friends with people who we empathize and associate and, you know, uh, you know, get on better with who happens to have ADD. So we're surrounded by people with ADD and, you know, that makes up, you know, let's just pull a number out of the air, 20% of the people we know, and that's 20% of the population we believe think and feel this way. And it's normalized, yeah. but yeah. actually, you know, there's a lot of things that we, have gone on, gone our whole life sort of assuming that we are inherently bad or lazy. Importantly, we procrastinate yeah, and just, we yeah. have bad self things. We blame <laughs> ourselves and we feel like we are lazy. And when people are saying you're lazy and you're underperforming and blah, 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 we believe it because we have no reason to think otherwise. Yeah. I not be doing X, Y, and Z when I know I'm the only thing between me and my success. Yeah. And this exactly is exactly right. ADD. Um, it's so insidious in society not being diagnosed. Great words. 
what it is because there's a huge proportion of society who have traits or clinical ADD who are untapped potential. Yeah. yeah. So prone to mental health problems, mental health complications, and mental health services in this, in this country, I'm very sorry to say, are just... Atrocious. ...to scratch in terms of seeing people in a neurodiverse way. And 100%. Three-year way. In a way that is not like... It's just so scripted. It's... Yeah. Have you been seeing or hearing things? Do you ever feel like self-harming? Do you ever feel yeah. suicidal? Do you have someone to do it? And it's just... Yeah. No, in between. Missing the whole point. Mm. And, and it's hard to try and build any bond or any relationship and invest in, uh, you know, ADHD consultants because it's just it's just about hear the meds. This is what the uh, evidence shows. Um, mm. And, you know, fine, their meds are, you know, an important part of it. I feel like I'm able to motivate myself to do a lot more than I would otherwise with the medication. Um, and I thank it for that. But there's, you know, CBT and also just understanding ADD yourself and, and society understanding it is the most important aspects. But just looking at mental health, in a different way, not as, okay, you have ADD, you also have yeah. a, a depression, you have uh, anxiety. No, you just think of it as... It's these all connected. Uh, well, depression, anxiety, sleep problems, you know, traumatic stress disorder, and, you know, all of... Like, I definitely have, um, you know, rejection sensitivity dysphoria, you know, mm. in, or, uh, dysregulation. And I know that there are a lot of social situations um, that I yeah. don't, um, you know, that I'm anxious about and I, and I avoid certain things or people yeah. and things. And, and I think of and flash back to traumatic memories of really bad emotions I had from negative. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to go to a, a doctor to ask for a PTSD diagnosis. I don't need to. I, I, I don't even, I'm not saying I have PTSD, but you know, what's the point? It's, I, yeah. I, see why I have these problems the just, problems are because I have emotional dysregulation yeah. problems in my environment my life etc you know I, I don't need someone to medicate me or tell me you know it's just what's the point you know we yeah. need to they're not gonna know because yeah they're not I going mean, to know, understand and a lot of the things you kind of um, pointed out there they're institutional aren't they so you're never going to be able to remedy them you know, I think some things, you, you know, you probably can because like the education system probably is getting a bit better at um, uh, being more inclusive. You know, a lot of schools now have, um, you know, uh, diverse um, conditions as part of the mix of, you know, it's not like people are segregated these days like they used to mm. be. Um, ADHD is different because, you know, a lot of people don't even know and will go through the whole education system not knowing. Um, but you know other kind of diversities are more included now so i think you know there's probably a bit of a journey and education might be um, in, a, in a position prime ready to change a little bit more um it'd be nice to see that happening in other parts of society like the workplace you know big kind of corporate workplaces it'd be nice to have some kind of um additional support or some kind of um mapping that they could kind of work to to offer more support to diversities but the trouble is they don't know what those diversities are and what they look like and also the people that are suffering don't know that they have them 
um, which is where it's kind of really hard to unpick, isn't it? And and they are institutional, it, it exists everywhere. So how do we even start, you know, to unpick that? It's just um, such a big, a big task, but you know, it's worth having these conversations starts to build awareness, doesn't it? And um, we can educate people as yeah. to actually these diversities are. And the, the, answer, yeah, the, the answer to your question is what we're doing right now. Exactly. Yes educating society about what it really is and yeah. actually what you look like and and you might just have it or someone you know definitely has it and yes. it's yeah. in the face and, and you have 50 percent of getting better and feeling better it's getting it off your chest yeah knowing knowing what it is mm. and understanding yeah. it it's not just the inability to focus when you need to it's so much more than that. It's yeah. a different thinking and feeling and you know, we just are so poorly understood and we're left yeah. behind society. I cannot really go to anyone at work um, to, you know, and, and for them to properly empathize with me and, and, and help me. Yeah. They, they just won't understand. I just can't be bothered. Yeah. Because yeah. I just, I, I do it and I just know that they feel like I'm a loon or uh, dramatic or, mm. you know, uh, you know touchy or whatever whatever they think it's just they, they don't know about your debilitating thoughts and overplaying situations yeah. and hanging on to positive news and do the dopamine peaks and troughs it's just debilitating isn't it e even if you're fulfilled even if you're in your flow as you are as a doctor and even in the good times, it's incredibly hard. You know, it's very, it's difficult to to manage at times. It's just endless, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I totally agree on David's point. Obviously, I'm I'm not. I think Zaid, you as well. We're not at the stage of having kids yet. Um, but I've said to David that he's in the perfect position to bring his kids up in the most neuro accepting way but he's so right that there's not enough i hope there is steadily i hope there'll be there's going to be more adhd teachers because that's what we're really good at we've got good hearts to really push the understanding about the brain because we're still so early in our understanding i find like neuroscientists are you know they they publicly say we're so early and they sort of points they understand themselves yeah and how their own brains function yeah yeah i think it's um it's a relatively new subject in the whole field of medicine i guess um i guess i've always been uh, you know philosophizing and, and trying to understand psychology but you know very early di early days i mm. just um mental health it's a very difficult difficult battle because you can't just study mental health in a lab yeah you, it's not like other things in medicine there's you no know, to better understand and treat mental health problems and understand mental well-being is through generational and cultural change through changing our perception and understanding of it through day-to-day -day work and life as you know psychiatrists or psychologists and mm. imparting 
the next generation and then will our you know handling of you know add neurodiversity autism and mental health problems etc mm. will 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 grow i was just going <laughs> to mention zaid's uh, famous uh his, his youtubing um zaid's a fun you're a fantastic youtube doctor influencer which is so good to see because essentially doctors are the voice of reason and i i looked at one clip it was about embracing death i know there's been a, a motif modern day motif about death and it's all about well-being but actually we should be embracing death and you you can tell you're so empathetic and you really speak from the heart and you're so right and i think part of mental health conditions can actually be you know you're scared of death and you the, the thought of death just makes your skin crawl but actually we can swing it the other way and and embrace it and I, I think that's so right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not um, not recommending death. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm not a spokesperson for Grimmie. It's just um, so that but video, yeah, in, in general, it's great. It's great stuff. It's great. So, so yeah, here, here we go. Here's the plug. So uh, I have a YouTube channel. <laughs> it's called Medicine with Zaid. <clears throat> Medicine with Zaid. Zaid's about Z-A-I-D. And I have a video called What is Dying? So, um I'm a geriatric doctor. Right now, I actually work as a stroke doctor, uh, but my passion is in geriatrics and end-of-life care, but also acute medicine. And I, yeah, I, I love it all, to be honest. I'm an actual man of many talents. Um, but um, uh, what I'm trying to say is uh, just trying to accept that death is an inevitability for all of us. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't have a choice in the matter and you know it's coming one day, you have to accept that that part of your life is an important part of your consciousness and your soul, I guess, if you believe in that, leaving this yeah. world. And actually, if you want to have a good death, you need to firstly, you know, not have the fear of the physical process of it, which is what yeah. that video is trying to do. It's trying to explain what dying is actually like. And it's not necessarily a painful, horrible experience. It's a, a natural process that the body is designed to sort of carry out whereby you slowly shut down your organs and you slip away. Yeah. Um, and it's to just get people talking about it and thinking about it and actually hopefully getting to that point where we actually write wills and start thinking about and telling our families what we would and wouldn't want should we become, you know, probably unwell or disabled, unable to, you know, say what we would want. Um, because yeah. I witnessed a lot of suffering and uh, that is just unnecessary if we talked about what we want. There are yeah. situations where patients are left, you know, unable to barely move after, a, you know, I'm a stroke doctor at the moment. Um, there are patients who have strokes and they may be unable to understand what people are saying, unable to yeah. speak, they may not be able to eat and swallow safely, unable to move. And there is no quality of life being fed in a tube, not knowing what's going on, not able to move. And yeah. you know, being in a state like that, you will eventually deteriorate and pass away in an undignified manner. And mm -hmm. it's just all of us, most, I think 90% of people would say, I wouldn't want to be artificially fed and kept alive in that scenario. Not at all. So these are decisions that we're not necessarily making and doing in, in, in hospitals.
I am always pushing and trying to work out what's right in these situations. But, you know, if people talked about what they wanted yeah. and they wills or, you know, I told mm. their family and, and thought about these things, we would all have better deaths and experiences and quality of life, you know, in the end rechanging what the focus is we got so hung up on saving lives that we lost there's a person in between life and death exactly yeah. and, and that perspective guess, um, can actually sorry david can actually you know you're more in the moment 100 percent, david yeah i was going to say and that's that's kind of um um it feels like that's not just the person that's passing that's involved there as well it's all of the loved ones that have to watch that happen it's, a, it's going to be a much more traumatic experience for everyone involved, isn't it? Not just the person passing, but you know, there's a whole there's a whole group of people being affected by that. Um, so yeah, it's a really good point. I've not really thought of that actually before. So, um, so, so that video is it's also to help people who are going to witness and deal fantastic with fantastic initiative dying, because it is for them to understand what the dying process is like, not to fear it, and actually help them through that time. But I know I've just turned this ADHD talk. No. Into no. We're, we're flowing topic, uh, you know more than merrier, but um but yeah we're, we're, um, we're flowing we we're, we love your decks in the background we we can catch you at <laughs> playing at fabric yes. can't we <laughs> oh man yeah you, it's not very often you get to talk about instagram and check out um my my mixes doc z d-o-c-z -E. oh i'm gonna check it out i'm i'm big into um, my djing maybe we sh we can play some Sometime we're allowed to. Yeah. As soon as this uh, indoor lockdown is over, I'll have you over to spin. Yeah. And my lovely six-inch yeah. David will have to get his his old like old school knowledge back, and we can yeah. start a little <laughs> club. Um, yeah. Yeah, my good. my bladder is completely crazy, uh, but thank you so you much. Get that checked out. <laughs> uh, I I do. I actually take solifenacin um but uh I, I i probably need to to get some more but thank you so much Aid. and yeah, it's cool. been absolutely brilliant pleasure to have you on the finding of life thank you for podcast. having me yeah great to meet you great to talk to you um, you too Dave. I've, I've got so many more questions as well i need to ask you so i'd love to do this again sometime yeah, yeah for sure well, David, David, you can finish. we've got two minutes of the recording okay so very quick question um, yeah. I saw a documentary about um, a couple of guys whose job in the 1960s was to uh, was to test um, certain substances. But what that meant was their perception of time had shifted. Now, um, my question for you is because ADHD is often thought of as having a different time perception to regular people. And um, these guys in the documentary said that they didn't fear death because they thought at the end of their time, potentially, um, time would um, shift to a point where um, that moment could last forever, where they'd go into a state of um, just kind of, a, you know, that their um, sense of reality starts to slip away, but actually that moment can feel really nice potentially and last forever. And potentially that's what kind of the, the passage of death is actually really about. So what's your thought on like um, time as you approach the end and actually time perception for someone with ADHD? Yeah, so my time perception for, as someone with ADHD, I'm, I have thought about it in the past and I, I remember I've spoken to people about this, um, but I can't actually remember if I, <laughs> the time went slower or faster <laughs> relative to them. 
Um, yeah. I do remember uh, the first time I took Elvance, the uh, amphetamine -changing. ADHD. Um, time, I remember like working, working, working. I didn't feel like I was focusing more or anything like that. But I remember looking at the clock and being like, oh my God. I thought it had been two hours and it's been four minutes. <laughs> Yeah. That was really peculiar. I can't say it's been like that since, um, but I think uh, people, I guess, who are able to focus normally, they must perceive time differently. Yes. Uh, when I was focusing properly with my medicine, time seemed to slow down a lot. So, mm -hmm. no.